Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Right Care Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist. I'm Amanda Comer. I'm a nurse practitioner and the system director for advanced practice providers. And today we're really excited to have on Dr. Shane Lowry to talk about uh, patient experience. Shane, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks, Jake and Amanda. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you guys. For our audience, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and what you do for Baptist? Uh, sure. So I'm family medicine trained, um, a little bit of a non-traditional student. This is kind of my second or third career, actually, but um, by far the best choice I ever made. Um, since I have graduated from my residency program, I have worked for NEA Baptist here in Jonesboro, um, work in a satellite clinic. Um, outside of the hospital for the most part of the time since I've been here, which has been since about 2014 um, in clinic. But I also have been full-time in the emergency department and currently full-time as a hospitalist. And so I kind of do a little bit of all of that um, here with Baptists. And, uh, most recently have um, been very interested in the patient experience. Well, let's let's talk about the patient experience. Um, you know, how did you get you know interested in the topic? I, you know, I understand that that you become very passionate about it. Uh, but tell us, you know, tell us your journey into you know, patient experience and and what led you there. Uh, sure. So, kind of as I I just mentioned, you know. Um, this is sort of a second or third career for me. And when I made the decision to go to medical school or back to college and kind of get some prerequisites and then to medical school, it was um, in an effort to do something different than what I had been doing previously, which was more business sales um, related type stuff. And so um, I wanted to be more in a service position. You know, I wanted to be able to to serve people. I mean, that's kind of what we hear from most medical students that are applying to medical school, right? And um, and so, you know, and I think that's true of all of us as well. So I get through medical school. Um, I, I get through residency. And, and by the way, I did all of this with my wife, who also is family medicine trained. Um, Were you we all in the, the same program and same class throughout? Yeah, yeah. So, so we actually uh -huh. met in undergrad. I, I originally started undergrad in a social work major because I thought that that was how I would serve and and help folks. And uh, you know, I quickly found out there was a lot of um, uh, red tape and things that just didn't really fit the way I wanted to serve people with that. So I changed to biology, which is where I met Megan, my wife, and. Um, so we went all through undergrad, accepted to UAMS and Little Rock together, went to med school together for four years, got married before med school started, um, and then residency, family medicine residency together, and then here at NEA Baptist together and practicing in the same clinic and, and sharing an office. Um, so, wow. yes, we have done it all together. Yeah. So, so once we we got into residency um, and we actually started seeing patients and taking care of patients and 
you know, we started kind of realizing a lot of the things that we thought was service for patients, um, we weren't actually able to do, whether it was, you know, hospital policy or insurance that was, you know, blocking that or the government regulations blocking that. And, you know, so it's kind of a difficult thing to balance a lot of times. And it kind of um, can cause a lot of doctors to become um, a little a little jaded or a little frustrated with that that system when they're not able to get what they feel like they need to get for their patients. So we moved on through that and we we come here to NEA and we get into practice and it's a different patient population than we were seeing in our residency, but still, um, you still run into the same kind of problems. Um, and, you know, there were times where I felt like maybe my clinical flow was not as good as it could be. Um, and, you know, it's not that nobody ever asked. They did. They asked, is there something we can do to help? And, um, you know, I'm a doctor. I shouldn't really need that help. I can take care of things. And, um, you know, I just never did. I actually had a list of things that I felt like we should be doing differently. I just never took the initiative to change those things. Uh, and then, of course, you have the EHR, right? I mean, you know, that can be very frustrating for a lot of doctors um, and myself in particular. I'm not very... IT savvy. It takes a lot of um, effort for me to learn a lot of the things that are involved with um, IT and our EHR. Um, it is by far the best one I have ever used in my short career. But um, so there's a lot of difficulties, a lot of frustrations that I think physicians encounter that we don't necessarily just speak out about a lot of times, even when our managers and directors and administrators ask us, is there something we can help with? Um, and I think a lot of that, when you get it combined, it kind of leads to, to burnout. Um, and we know that. Um, and so, you know, I kind of was on the verge of experiencing that myself, which is when I really became more interested in learning as much as I could about um, EPIC, our EHR, trying to figure out how to be more efficient, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that uh, I am here at NEA Baptist. I'm sure all of our institutions are the same, but we do have some really great um, administrators and um, managers, directors that, you know, even when we're not asking for help, they can kind of sense that and, and provide it anyways. And so I don't think I would be where I'm at today if it weren't for um, some of the administrators, managers, directors that we have here um, that helped me through some of those times. So as I kind of moved through that to try to learn more about the um, EHR and how to be more efficient and how to make the clinic more efficient. And, you know, I was making these changes, you know, through the ER and then into the hospitalist position. Um, and I think that part of it gives me a little bit um, wider uh, view of our healthcare system um, and how things play out in each of those different levels of care and phases of care. Um, and so I see it from all different angles. And so I really think there's a lot of us out there that just don't speak up. And um, if we're not, you know, they're elbow to elbow with them and able to reach out to them, then I, I think that there's potential to lose a lot of um, and so that was my initial kind of journey into 
patient experience. And I know none of that sounds like patient experience, right? That all sounds like wellness, okay? And so that's really what led me into this. And so, um, you know, we have the app from um, Dr. Stephen Beeson that was originally called Clinician Experience Project. I think now it's termed Practicing Excellence. Um, and so when that came out, I really started utilizing that, listening to a lot of those um, different um, videos and trying a lot of those different tips um, in an effort just to try to um, do better, you know, because as as you are kind of on the verge of that burnout and you start to have some lower patient satisfaction scores, you know, it um, makes me more interested in what do I need to be doing to um, improve all of this. And so I would try those suggestions that they would make in those apps. And, um, you know, despite the fact that, you know, I always tell people I'm, I'm a good Southern boy, right? So I like my fried food, but I also say yes, ma'am. And, you know, yes, sir. And, you know, and it's just habit for me because that's just the way I was raised. And so, so I've always felt like I had, you know, good manners and always, um, as, as my mom would say, never meets a stranger, right? Um, I'm always cordial, nice to people, um, do what I think is right. And so despite that, there were a lot of things that he would suggest, um, tips that we should be doing um, to improve the patient experience that I had never thought about. And so I would try those things. And um, I found that they worked um, and they, they worked well. And as I continued to try those things, I found that um, not only did they work well to improve the patient experience, they improved my experience. Um, you know, the thoughts of, of any kind of frustration from anything like insurance companies or um, clinical flow, hospital flow, any of that uh, just went away. Uh, you know, I was no longer concerned about those things because I was concentrating on my patient. So um, that's kind of what got me into patient experience. And then, you know, um, Dr. Joy um, started with us and he initiated this system-wide um, leadership program. And, and um, I was asked to be a part of that. And I was so grateful for that. Um, not only does that open up opportunity for all of us at the different institutions to share ideas and you know, bounce things off of each other, but it allowed me to learn more about our system. Um, you know, I really appreciated those times when he would have um, some of the some of the folks in administration there to kind of just talk about what they do. You know, that's that was really helpful for me to have a better understanding of the system and how it worked. And so, um, I actually listened to one of the podcasts that had Christy Gay on it, and you know. At that time, we were kind of in the midst of COVID and, um, you know, she had been here for a few years, but, you know, it, prior to COVID, just kind of getting started and then COVID hit. And so I really didn't even know we had a patient experience program um, until I listened to that podcast. And so, so I was very enthused to find out about that. Um, and then also through the leadership um, program, Dr. Joy started. Uh, I had opportunity to attend a physician coaching certification course, which was a six month long course. And this 
uh, allowed me to learn a lot more um, about the patient experience because that's what this is is geared towards right it's geared towards patient experience it's not you know I hear the term physician coaching which was kind of new to me to start with as it is and I hear that and you know sometimes I think it has a different um, kind of tone or meaning to some doctors and it's not coaching doctors how to be doctors we know how to be doctors um sometimes we just don't know how to get that right information to the patient in a manner so that they understand it and they trust us and they follow our guidance and are compliant with our prescriptions and instructions you know um and i didn't realize how big a deal that was yeah no so you know sorry to interrupt you you know you it's a great journey. And you said a lot of things that were maybe a little surprising to me. You know, the, I think the fact that, you know, I was a little nervous about the clinician experience project app or the practicing excellence app in the beginning because I was, you know, when they pitched it, it was tips for doctors to improve their quality, improve their, you know, leadership style, you know, help with burnout. And it's like, well, it's also one more thing they have to do in their day. You know, I, I, I hate to ask another physician to spend 15 or 20 minutes additional on, on something like that, but I, I was very happy to hear that, that you got something out of it. Um, and but let's talk about some of the tips that you found in, you know, through doing it. Um, you know, what did you find that that was really helpful? Like you said, you thought you were as a southern gentleman, you were doing all these things already. What was there anything surprising in there that um, you changed and you notice an impact? Uh, yes, there there were, you know, quite a few things actually, and and so, um, you know, I will say that, uh, you know. I have um, a cabin that's about two hours away. I like to fish and hunt, things like that. And so I go up there often. And when I'm driving, that's just what I do. I listen to different, you know, podcasts and things. And so that's why I started listening to the the videos with that app mm-hmm. is because I, I had ample time to do that. And so, so some of the things that, um, you know, I had listened to, and I didn't mention this part a while ago, but, you know, kind of during this period, I Prior to, to joining up with the Baptist-wide system leadership team, I was asked to be a part of our dyad leadership team here locally. And um, and that was actually when Brad was still here uh, and kind of when Brad was making his transition. And so um, that was one of the things that really helped me out is because now I had other things that I could spend my time on and concentrate on. And so, so this app came out and I started listening to it. And um, some of the things that were really remarkable to me were um, just kind of the, the order in which you do things and how you do things in the room with the patient. And so, you know, in, in medical school and residency, for example, we are taught um, how to redirect. Um and, you know, that's kind of important in some cases when you've got a lot of patients and you got to get through your day. But yeah. also your patients, that's one of the main things that if you look at any of the surveys from patients on patient experience, that's one of the main things that patients want out of their physician. They want to be listened to. 
Um, and, you know, maybe you're saving yourself a minute and a half or two, um, but um, you're also kind of um, losing some of that trust in your patient. And so just letting my patients finish, for example, was one of the things that I started doing. And um, it worked out really well for me. Um, when you say it worked out, what do you mean by that? Like, how can you so how do you I know felt, it worked? Yeah, I felt like that my relationship with the patients were was much improved. And I'm sorry, I just redirected you there. I might have done that. <laughs> right. Good job, Jake. I didn't even realize it. You know, that's a great way to redirect. But there's different, you know, when you're a podcast host, it's you can do it, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah. so I started doing a lot of these things. I started, you know, kind of um, emotional intelligence. I had never even heard the term, okay? So I listened to all of those um, videos on emotional intelligence, and I'm like, what is this? Um, and so I kind of figured out what it was, and I thought, well, you know, I, I do that. I just don't utilize it. And so I started utilizing it. I started actually kind of trying to find out what that patient was actually feeling at that moment in the room with me when they're telling me their story. And you know, when you do that, it allows you to be way more empathetic than, you know, what we are normally. Um, and so I can just tell that this really improved my patient compliance. Um, you know, when when patients would ask me about side effects of a medication, for example, um, the manner in which I would address that um, really had a lot to do with whether they were going to be compliant with that medicine. And I truly believe in a lot of cases whether they would actually have a side effect or not. Because I think that a lot of these things may, there may be a lot of the placebo, nocebo effect that is taking place here with a lot of those um, medications and treatments. And um, depending on how that patient feels about that medication or treatment actually uh, affects the outcomes. So, and, you know, CMS discovered this 20, 25 years ago, right? I mean, that's why we now have CAPS scores and things like that. They, they actually did the studies and found out that that actually makes a difference in patient outcomes as to, you know, if that patient had a good experience or not. So I can tell you one, uh, some other things that I found once I, I am here full time in the hospital. So occasionally you'll have those patients that um, they're just really not sure. You've done all the workup, everything is, is normal, but they still have their symptoms and they're just not sure. They don't feel like really they're ready to go home, um, but you don't really know what else to do for them. So if you, if you start that relationship with that patient, if you start out on the right foot, you develop a good relationship with that patient by utilizing these patient experience tools um, and you carry that out throughout that hospital course, when you get to the end of that and you're telling the patient, we've done the workup, we've not found any life or limb-threatening issues, um, maybe we don't even know why you're having the symptoms you're having, but we do know everything is okay for now and we could complete the rest of the workup as an outpatient. I don't have issues with that anymore. Um, the patients trust me when I say that. And, and uh, it's easy just to kind of see the difference that that makes when you take a different approach with that. Um, patients that um, are upset about things that have happened in the hospital, 
sometimes that's upsetting to us. And, you know, the, the manner in which we address those things really makes a big difference as to whether you're able to de-escalate that and, and come to some resolution or not. Uh, so. So, so, so much here, you know, I've been writing words down as you've been talking, you know, you talked about your frustration that led to learning or seeking out more information to help you write down clinical flow, EHR, physician wellness, physician experience, patient experience, and how all of this is so interconnected. Um, is fascinating to me. Um, tell us a little bit more about the physician coaching and how others can, or, you know, you said you didn't really, weren't used to the word coaching. I didn't know if there's another word that you like to use, but how others can reach out to you or learn more about this. Uh, sure, Amanda. So, so, you know, I had the opportunity to attend this um, physician coaching certification course and again it was a six month long course and you know we would we would meet once a month and then we would have homework to do in the meantime and things that we would try with our patients um, and so it is again geared towards coaching for better communication skills in order to um, help physicians um, to be able to express, you know, their um, concerns, their treatments, their medications that they're going to be prescribing to the patient, um, you know, in a manner that the patient can understand and, um, you know, it could be compliant with. And, and so it's physician coaching geared towards that patient experience. And through that program, that coaching program, you know, we would do a lot of different things like role playing. Um, you know, one one day I would be, you know, the physician that is being coached and another person would be the coach and then vice versa. And, you know, through doing those things, I kind of that's when I started realizing that all of these other issues are kind of compound um, the physician's ability to do some of these things, you know, like the EHR efficiency or clinical flow, you know. Um, and so you can't just blame any one certain thing. And so you can train physicians um, in patient experience skills. You can train physicians to be more efficient um, with EHR to improve clinical flow. And, you know, I think that the, having uh, a method where we address a combination of all of these things is probably the way to go about addressing um, patient experience. And so there are all kinds of physician coach programs um, across the nation. And, you know, the one I attended was with Practicing Excellence. I felt like um, the other um, folks that was there that was involved um, as far as the trainers go as well as the people that were being trained um, were all very sincere um, and the trainers were very knowledgeable. I've developed a lot of relationships with some guys that are in patient experience in um, other states and you know with some some folks that have been doing this for a long time and are really good at what they do. So as far as uh, opportunity goes, um, that opportunity is there for people. Um, and, you know, right now we're in the process of 
um, hopefully trying to develop more of a, a program within Baptist itself that could maybe, um, I don't know, hopefully provide this opportunities to some other physicians, some other APPs, some even RNs. I mean, this is not just physicians. I mean, you know, the patient experience encompasses a whole lot of um, other people and even processes and things that don't involve people. So there's yeah. a lot that goes into it. And I think if we're going to address this, we should address it all, not just one part of it. Yeah. You are saying earlier that you might have been a little skeptical of coaching at first, and I, I was the same way. I, I went through a coaching um, program with uh, through Skip Stewart's team a while back uh, related to a specific project. And, um, you know, most of us as physicians you know, think we don't need a coach. Of course, we don't need a coach. Um, we're good enough already. But if you're looking to try to improve something, you know, in your practice, it's very hard to do that on your own. And it's really great to have a coach because it gives you the structure of, you know, structure of, of different meetings, making sure you're accountable to the things you were going to work on. And it's a reminder every week that, that you need to do X, Y, and Z. And, and you're going to have somebody there to kind of help you with, you know, if there's any obstacles and, doesn't let you make as many excuses that you could do if you're working on it on your own and you know it's um i feel like yes could you improve on your own yes but it really takes uh somebody that's dedicated to it and is really going to have their own structure in place and not get forward with that improvement initiative and forget about it in a couple of weeks whereas if you have a coach and you got a 12-week program or something like you you were talking about or six months whatever you were doing yeah it's um it keeps you accountable and helps you move faster. I think. And the peer-to-peer, I think, is yeah. is beneficial. You know, having someone who can relate to your struggles and your frustrations in the work that you do um, goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, that's kind of one of the main points I think I would like to make is that, you know, the the administration, my manager, my office manager, our directors, they all ask me, is there something we can do to help? But, you know, had one of my partners, one of my co-workers, colleagues, peers ask me that, I might have been a little more willing to share some of my actual feelings. And so I think it's important to have um, four physicians, physicians that are in the trenches with them. You know, this being a patient experience coach is not your full time job. Your full time job is being a doctor. Being a patient experience coach is your part-time job where we're reaching out to help other physicians kind of achieve the same goal that we're all looking to achieve, you know? And so being in there elbow to elbow and, you know, hey, can I help you with this? You know, I think that that's an important aspect of that. As far as the term coach goes, I mean, I get it. I understand what the term means and it it is the correct term for what we're doing but if somebody came and said you know dr lyerly we're going to coach you i don't know maybe i wouldn't take that offensively but you know on the other hand i might and so we've, we've thought about it um actually just talked to christy about this you know within the past few days um it, as far as terminology goes, you know, and there's a lot of different things you could call it. You could call it, you know, um, 
peer support. You you could call it um, guidance, or you know, you could call it you know, um, being a partner. You know, what whatever. There's a lot of different things that you could term it, and I don't really know what the right term is. And you know, hopefully, if we get a program established, we'll figure that part out. Um, yeah. But you know, the coaching part of it is the important part. That, you know, and then there's, I think you mentioned Jake. You know, some sometimes you might have people that are not as willing to accept that, you know, um, and because part of it would include uh, maybe coaching for um, physicians that let's just say maybe satisfaction scores are low or, or are having multiple patient complaints or peer complaints, you know, maybe they need a little help with communication skills. OK. And so if we were to go out and try to coach somebody that has a need like that, then, you know, they might find that offensive. They might not be willing to um, accept, you know, that coaching or those skills. And, okay, I mean, that's going to be the case with with some people. And that's, you know, if they're not um, ready for that, they're not ready for it. Um, Yeah. It's just like patience, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So I wish we would have had Megan on here too. The same I time. Are you, are... So let me tell you a bit about this. So so with Megan, I, I watch her be a doctor and I'm like, who taught you how to do that? <laughs> how did you know? Um, you know, to talk to that patient that way. How did you know to make that facial expression instead of the one I'm thinking in my head, you know? So these right. things don't come natural for me, um, and they do for others. There are people out there, like my wife, for example, this stuff just comes natural to her. And I, I guarantee you there's not a single patient that she has ever seen that you're going to hear anything bad about her come out of their mouth. Um, actually, I, I hear it all the time in the hospital, whether it's one of our um, employees here or a patient that I'm seeing in the hospital that just tells me how much they love my wife being their doctor. <laughs> and so. So anyways, yeah, you know, I learned a lot from her, actually. She she has taught me a lot um, when it comes to patient experience. You can be competitive on your scores. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Well. Well, Shane, you know, we, we've kept you for a long time, and I, I know you have patience to see, but I, I did want to close maybe with um, you telling us where you think this program will go and what you hope to achieve with it. Well, um, yeah, actually, I, I really, my long-term goals is to develop a um, physician coaching, APP, nurse coaching program geared towards patient experience. But um, again, I think that this encompasses more than just patient experience. This encompasses wellness. It encompasses um, quality and safety, um, continuous improvement. There's a lot involved here, Um, you know, and I think that having all of those different aspects um, involved is important. And, um, you know, I say that really because this is um, this is new. And, you know, if we're going to develop this program and and grow this program, um, I think that we need those different fields 
um, those different people and all of the ideas, um, you know, and cultures that they have to come together um, in order to to create a good program here that's going to benefit our physicians, APPs, and nurses. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard um, of friends, Johansson, that wrote the book, The Medici Effect, um, and it's it's titled the Medici effect after the Medici family from from Florence, um, mm-hmm. in Italy back in the day that spent uh, a lot of their wealth on, you know, different artists um, and um, scientific thinkers, which was all new at the time. And, you know, astronomers, um, just different things. And, and what they did, in essence, is they brought together all of these different people people that were very different, you know, their different ideas and cultures, which sparked innovation and, and basically is what sparked, you know, the Italian Renaissance at that time. And so he took that and his ideas is that if you take different people from different cultures with different ideas, put them together in a team so that, um, you know, you don't end up with like a, a cognitive bias, you know, if you take all patient experience people and put them in a room to come up with new ideas, well, it's it's going to kind of be centered around one thing. And, and the same goes for wellness or quality or whatever. But if you put all of these people, different people together, they bounce ideas off of each other. They disagree with each other. You get a lot of conversation and discussion about different things. And that's when innovation happens. And that was his idea. And I have discovered that kindly. Um, after the fact and and it's so it's really even more important to me now that um, this program would encompass all of those different things just to kind of help um, spark our own innovation here uh, so no, I no, that's a program Jake that would be um, um, our culture you know yeah. and our brand as Baptist that uh, this is what we do we do it for the patient but you know, we take care of our own and, and um, for good reason, you know. That's a that's a worthy goal. Well, Dr. Larley, thanks again for, for joining us today. Thanks, Amanda, for, for co-hosting with me. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Right Care Baptist. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem this episode for CME credit. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you.